This is one of my favorite places to be. It's springtime, it's the end of March, the, the sun is shining, it's, it's 60 some degrees out right now. And, and here I get to sit on this porch and look out on the town. Look out on the cars driving by, see the, the, the trees, the grass, uh, cleared off of snow, all that kind of stuff. And it's springtime. And springtime always brings encouragement to my life. It reminds me of our creator, and new life that he provides. Uh, the sun refreshes my soul. As I'm thinking about moving into spring and then summer and being able to be outside more and enjoy uh, the great outdoors. Um, just not, not a winter person myself. And here I live in New Hampshire. And, and during the winter, I like to hunker in and, and, and stay close and stay home and enjoy the sights from, from inside. And that's, that's me. And so spring for me bursts forth and it's just a really, it's probably one of the most encouraging seasons for me. We all need encouragement, don't we? We all need to, to feel like we're, we're being encouraged. And, and we want to talk about encouragement today. If I was to ask you, what is the most encouraging thing that happened to you this week? What would you say? If I, you know, what was the, the biggest thing that, that, that brought the most encouragement to you? We, we all need encouragement. Paul's heart, the Apostle Paul, his, set, his heart was set on encouragement for this Thessalonian church. And, and we're going to be looking at chapter 3, verses 1 through 5 today, and, and the way that he was able to bring encouragement through Timothy. Verse 1 says this of, of 1 Thessalonians 3, Therefore, when we could no longer stand it, we thought it was better to be left alone in Athens, and we sent Timothy, our brother and God's co-worker in the gospel of Christ, to strengthen and encourage you concerning your faith, so that no one will be shaken by these afflictions. For you yourselves know that we are appointed to this. In fact, when we were with you, we told you in advance that we were going to experience affliction. And as you know, it happened for this reason when I could no longer stand it. I also sent him to find out about your faith fearing that the tempter had tempted you and that our labor might have been for nothing. So here we see Paul, and Paul's desire is to see this church strengthened and encouraged in their faith. And we see him saying that, hey, we're going to send Timothy to, to help out with that task. You know, we're going to make sure, he says, we want to make sure that the adversary, the one who, who was hindering us, the, the, the forces that were hindering us as we're in, in Athens, that they're not hindering you and they're not helping to destroy uh, your faith, the faith that you found in Jesus Christ. And so he says, for this reason, we can no longer stand it. I, I sent him, Timothy, to find out about your faith. We want to send him to be an encourager and, and to help strengthen your faith. Now, have you ever felt hindered? Have you ever felt stopped? We talked about this last week and what it was like for Paul to be hindered in his mission. But he was, he was stalled out, but yet he was not satisfied. And here we see the start of this section of the scripture where we see Paul is not satisfied, and they're going to be moved to action. They're going to be moved to action to help out this church. And his message to the church is, one of, one of it is, is, don't despair, you are not alone. You are not alone. You are not in this alone. So here his solution is, what's he going to do? Uh, here his solution and Silas's solution is to, to send Timothy 
when they themselves couldn't go. Therefore, when we could no longer stand it, we thought it better to be left alone in Athens. Paul and Silas weren't going to be able to make this trek. For whatever reason it may be, they were being stopped in their tracks. But that they didn't have to be satisfied in that. And so their action step was, okay, this is what we can do. Timothy, our, our co-worker in Christ, God's worker, God's co-worker, and our co-worker, he is ready to go and he is ready to be that encouragement, to bring the message of encouragement that we want to send to your church. And we sent Timothy, our brother and God's co-worker, in the gospel of Christ, this is verse 2 and 3, to strengthen and encourage you concerning your faith, so that no one will be shaken by these afflictions. For you yourselves know that we were appointed to this. We've got a job to do. We know we have a job to do. We, we help establish that the foundations of your local church. It's, it's partly our responsibility to, to see it grow and to check up on it as your, your spiritual parents. And in order to do this, we're going to send our, our fellow laborer, Timothy, to complete that task. It, it's not a stretch to say that Timothy was going to be going to a place that Paul couldn't go. Um, you know, I, I'm wondering if if he was able to go there because Timothy, he's not as high profile, all right? We, we don't see him really mentioned about really doing a lot of the, 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 the uh, frontline preaching or, or him being mentioned as being, you know, one of the ones that was trying to be pulled away by the mob, all right? It's usually Paul. Paul, Paul is that frontline guy. And so Timothy may have been able to go there because he was not as high profile. He, he had been more in a support role. And the people know him because he's in that role. I... I, I see him more as that associate pastor, if you will, where, where this was a point in time because of because Paul walking into that city, you know, even if he was able to, to get out of Athens, Paul walking into that city may have caused some trouble where Timothy was able to go, where Paul was not able to go. And maybe it was based on his giftings as well. Maybe Timothy had a gifting in the Lord that Paul says, you know what, this is going to benefit this church. We can't be there, but this is going to help move them forward. Timothy, with your giftings, you're going to go and serve them. You know, there's a lot of reasons why we can't go where someone else can go. You guys, you know, you have circles of influence that I could never reach. I have places that I can go that, that you would never be able to reach. And, and it could be because of, of location. Um, it could be because of relationships, building rapport, rapport and relationships that we have in the community. Uh, it could be on, on skill. God wants to place you where he's gifted you. And so there may be places that you can go that I can't go just because of the location or relationship or, or previous rapport or, or skills that you have. And this is the case that we see with Timothy. Paul was, gonna be, uh, Paul was not going to be able to go to this place, go to this church, but Timothy was going to have that door opened for him. Paul was a go-getter. Paul was a go-getter. And, and in his pastoral ministry, he was, he was such a go-getter. He was always on the move, always pushing forward the gospel message of Jesus Christ. But Paul had to realize that he couldn't do everything. And in order for this mission to continue to press on, he needed to send Timothy in his place. This is the balance of, of his pastoral life, of being the servant that God called him to be, actively living out and, and, and preaching towards the Great Commission, you know, uh, to make disciples in, throughout the whole world. So the, the active part, all right, the active part of being a minister, but also the, the, the active part of, of sitting passively and sending out other ministers. This, this is the, uh, the balance in, in uh, 
uh, pastoral ministry. The active part that you do yourself and the passive part of letting others go out there where they are able to go and maybe where we can't go ourselves. And Timothy was given a chance to lead. Even at this young age, Timothy is a, uh, he's not a brand new convert, but but he's a newer um, young man to the faith, and, and Paul has placed a lot of confidence in him, and, and Timothy has traveled with Paul around the region. Timothy's from probably from Lystra, and, and uh, he was a, a convert uh, when, when Paul visited that city, and, and here he is now traveling with Paul uh, in his group, ministering to other, other places, other cities, and building churches. We see that uh, Timothy was a faithful servant um, with Paul through the rest of Paul's ministry. He was ordained. We see this in, in Paul's letter to Timothy in 1 Timothy 4. Don't neglect the gift that is in you. It was given to you through prophecy with the laying on of hands of the council of, of elders and others. And so uh, Timothy has been commissioned to go into this work and take part in this work. He Like I said, he traveled with Paul. He's going to end up, Timothy's going to end up as a church leader in Ephesus. This is where Paul's writing him these letters, where Timothy is in Ephesus uh, working with the churches in, in Ephesus. And he, he was a representative of Paul in many, many places. Many, many places. And Timothy is sent to the Thessalonian churches uh, to strengthen and encourage them in their faith. And this Thessalonian church was in need of encouragement. They were ex experiencing uh, extreme persecution, which Paul says, we told you about this. We, we told you in fact, when we were with you, we told you in advance that we were going to experience affliction. This, was, this, is, this is the natural relationship between the world and between believers in Christ. It's going to cause trial and friction. People aren't going to understand or they're not going to like what you're doing. And so this is naturally going to happen in our lives. And, and we need to stand firm, strong together and stand firm in our faith together. Jesus himself, we find in John 16, Jesus says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. You will have suffering in this world. Be courageous. I have conquered this world. And this is where the encouragement comes in. We know that we are part of a family that is that, that our, our, our leader, our king has conquered this world. But because we're in the world, uh, we will still experience trial throughout our life. Uh, all of the the writers of Scripture, and especially the New Testament, talk about this. Peter talks about this. Dear friends, don't be surprised when you, the fiery ordeal comes among you to test you as if something unusual were happening to you. John speaks about this. Remember the word I spoke to you. A servant is not greater than his master. If if they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. This is, this is Jesus' words. John's penning these words. If you keep my word, uh, they will also keep uh, yours. They will persecute you. And James speaks about this in James 1. Consider it great joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you experience various trials, because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And Paul speaks about this again to Timothy later on, when he writes specifically to Timothy. He says, in fact, all who want to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Now that just doesn't sound like good news. The persecution comes because we're not of this world. We live in this world, but we're of a different kingdom. We serve a different Lord, and, and, and the lords of this world don't like that, and they, they, they bristle against that, and they, they push us, and they prod, and they pull, because the, 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 the lords of this world want to be served. But we serve a greater king, the high king, Jesus. So there are plenty of promises for, for trial, but, but the writer of Hebrews says this in Hebrews 3.13. 
but encourage each other daily while it is still called today so that none of you is hardened by sin's deception. Encourage each other daily. Here it is. Here's the encouragement piece. We all need encouragement. This is, this is what the church is for, for, for one another, to, to encourage one another in our faith. And Paul knew that this was so important, especially for this, this church that had just been formed, that has just gotten going. And they would need the encouragement to, to stand firm in their faith. Now, what is encouragement? Is it just compliments? You know, like, hey, nice hair. Or that's a that's a nice uh, shirt you're wearing today. Or, hey, I really like that tie. Or even even pastor, that was a great sermon today. No, encouragement are, are not merely just compliments. Uh, is it people pleasing? Uh, you know, people could think about it. Oh, I'm just saying the things that people want to want to hear. No, encouragement, true encouragement, is not just people pleasing. Encouragement can 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 help strengthen someone in, in their faith. It can also push someone in a direction that they need to go where they may be struggling in, and they need to to overcome this or or repent of something. Um, I remember one time when I was having a really difficult time at work years and years ago, and uh, my wife encouraged me to maybe seek out uh, a different job, and she knew it was for for our benefits, to to for our, our family's benefit and for my my benefit to to seek out something that wouldn't be causing as much anxiety in my life at that time. And so encouragement can come in different kinds of forms. A, a, a psychologist proposed that. Um, Encouragement encompasses four different dimensions. You, you have to have these four different things if you're really going to bring encouragement to someone else's life. And they are a positive view of oneself, a positive view of others, uh, being open to experiences, and a sense of belonging to others. Now, when you look at these, and this is from the world of psychology, you look at this and it says, he says a positive view of oneself. You have to have a positive view of, of yourself. And this one, this one gives us pause immediately as believers. We say, well, I'm supposed to look lowly. I'm supposed to be humble. I'm supposed to submit to other people. I'm supposed to do all these other things that lower myself. Well, what we do, how we see ourselves in Christ is critical. How do I see myself in my relationship to the Lord Jesus Christ, who, who, who says that I'm, I'm clothed in, in his robes of righteousness. When God sees me, because I'm a follower of Jesus, he, he doesn't see Nick in, in, in this sinful state. He sees, he sees his son, Jesus Christ, who I have accepted as my savior. And so what seeing, seeing ourselves in, in the right light, as seeing ourselves in Christ, it, it takes the burden off of, of spinning our wheels in, in, in performance. All right, we, It actually takes the burden off looking at ourselves where we can actually look outside of ourselves to help other people around us through our encouragements. We have to have a positive view of others. You know, do we see others as, as created in God's image or, or is it just us? How, how do we see other people, especially other people that we may not agree with? You know, the scriptures don't limit our encouragement and our, our prayer and our, our teaching and training. It, the scriptures don't limit that just to the people that we feel comfortable with. The, the church is not a group of people that is, that is homogenous and that is, that is all the same, that we all look alike. You look at uh, all churches and, and the churches are, are filled with diversity. They should be. They should be filled with that diversity and maybe even differences of opinions in certain areas. And, and, and here we are as a group living our lives 
as Christ Jesus and navigating these differences and still encouraging one another in our faith and, and in someone else's faith. And so we have to have a, a positive view that, that other people are also created in God's image. And therefore, they are, they are worthy to serve. They are worthy to, to embrace. They are worthy to, to accept into our lives and to ultimately bring encouragement into their faith as they're growing in their relationship with Christ. We have to be open, they say, to, to other experiences. I was thinking about this. And being a follower of Jesus means that I'm living a transformed life. All right, I'm, I'm living a, a life that is, that is transforming me, it is hopefully making me, I'm becoming more and more holy as Christ is holy. And my walk is becoming more and more holy as I model my life after Christ. And life in a transforming life means movement. And movement means new life experiences. I'm, I'm no longer content to close myself off from, from, other, from experiences or other people because I, I see value in, in um, the, this great big created world that, that God has given us. And it says, lastly, encouragement uh, requires a, a sense of belonging with others. I can't just push other people off. I have to see that we're a much larger community than just myself. Again, looking outside of myself so that I'm able to build into other people's lives. And, and the church should, be the corner, should have the corner market on this, that, that we belong to others, we belong with others. I was looking at a, a counseling journal and, and this guy who was researching the effects of encouragement on, on people's lives, he says he actually says that the whole paper is basically, we don't know enough about it. We don't know enough about how just, just plain old encouragement works in people's lives. And, and it seems to be a, a key component. We need to study this more and more and more, get a better understanding on this. But he says this, he says this, at its most basic level, encouragement is the expression of affirmation through language or other symbolic representations to instill courage, perseverance, confidence, inspiration, or hope in a person within the context of addressing a challenging situation or realizing a potential. Listen to those words that describe what encouragement does. It is there to instill courage. This church in Thessalonica needed courage. To, to, to instill perseverance. This, this is what we see in Paul's letter. To instill confidence. Well, that's what we want with our faith, a, a confidence in our Lord Jesus Christ and what he's doing in our life. Inspiration, to look beyond ourselves and see this, this great big world and, and all of these people out here who need to, to hear the message of Jesus Christ. Hope, encouragement instills hope. And that's what our, our, the message of the gospel does for us at, its base, at, at the base of what the gospel is. And it, in, it, in the context of addressing challenges or realizing potential. And this church in Thessalonica, and I believe all churches, need to be encouraged in the challenges they face. But we also need to be, be seeking and, and helping people reach the potential that they have in Christ Jesus. Encourage it, encouragement is movement. Encouragement requires movement. Garrett Kell, a pastor, says this in an article he wrote, Encouragement is shared with the hopes that it will lift someone's heart towards the Lord. Encouragement is shared with the hopes that it will lift someone's heart toward the Lord. 
This is what we want as brothers and sisters in Christ to continue pushing one another um, toward our Lord Jesus Christ and, and living a life that's, that's modeled after him. Encouragement has power. If you think about your life and when you've been encouraged, encouragement has power. Someone says this, it's unknown, the, un, the quote's unknown, but they say this, a word of encouragement during a failure is worth more than an hour of praise after success. Encouragement has power. Even if we're encouraging someone after they've failed, just a moment of encouragement after a failure has more power than hours of praise after a success. Flattery is fleeting. Flattery is, is fast. It's what we say when we're walking out the door. It's what we say when we're passing someone in the hall. It's what we say when we first get to the office. It's all of those things that are, that are fast, but it's, but it's fleeting. And, and, and flattery or, or compliments, there's nothing wrong with those. They, they can often be relational starters, connection points. Encouragement, though, at, at its root goes deeper than that. And, and Paul could have just penned off a letter and said, hey, we're praying for you. And maybe he did. Maybe he did. Hey, we're praying for you. Uh, we're thinking about you. Something, you know, just like just a simple greeting card. Thinking about you. I'm thinking about you. Paul knew that they needed something more solid than that. They needed to feel their encouragement. So they sent Timothy to do that work. Encouragement was a regular part of the early church's experience and life together, actually. Look through the, the book of Acts uh, for testimony about that. Well, there are a couple different areas where we need to be developing our level of encouragement for one another. One of those being within the church, through our actions and through our words, through our words of lifting one another up in prayer and, and, um, and getting to know one another's lives and having conversation with one another and, and being an encouraging presence to help someone else um, move up in their relationship with the Lord. We can also do it through, through actions and supporting them through brothers and sisters, through actions as, as we need to. And uh, like what we've done through our church is meal trains and, and, and projects and, and, and clean, all sorts of stuff like that. Uh, we need to do it both through word and action. We, we also need to encourage our, our fellow community. And by that, I mean pointing them to Jesus, pointing them to the, the hope that, that we have experienced, the life that we have experienced in, and, and wanting them to engage in that and be a part of that as well. Uh, we, you know, we, so we need to look at encouragement both inside the church and we need to look at encouragement outside the church as well. And, and what I'm afraid of is churches somehow don't have a good balance on this and they, they go to one extreme or another. It's all about them or it's all about someone else. And, and I know we've been doing a lot of talk about uh, people outside in our community over the last, over the last year. Um, and, and this church has been wonderful, spending 40 years of, of encouraging one another, encouraging one another and building up encouragement within these walls. And, and so um, we're wanting to make sure that we are reaching the, the whole spectrum, encouraging one another, but also encouraging our community and letting them know that we love them and Jesus loves them as well. One of the things not listed in um, uh, that quote about what encouragement uh, entails is listening. And I actually think this is a, a big part of what it means to encourage someone is, is the active skill of, of listening, active listening. All right. You know, this listening, active listening actually lets us understand, uh, helps us to understand who someone is and, and where they are.
when we're not focused on just putting in our two cents, we actually get to uh, know someone at a deeper level as we experience their story. And we can't really encourage someone unless we know their story and know where they are at a, at a starting point. It, it gets us outside of our, our, our own world. When I, when I have to listen, I, I, I have to get out of my brain of all the processing through what I want to say and actually, actually allow my ears to hear uh, and, and what the other person is, is sharing with me. Uh, it, it helps us to ask questions to clarify, but not to shame. All right? Um, you know, we want to help people get on the right path and, and, and find the right answers through God's Word and, and through their relationship with Jesus, but we often jump off with our answers first, but before hearing their questions. And often we come across as, as shaming them or, or guilting them for maybe something they don't even understand. And so active listening helps us to, to gain information and knowledge, again, about where that person is so that we can better help them and, and point them in the right direction of, of where Jesus wants them to go. I, I, I know that the best counselors are listeners. They, they insert themselves into the story as it's being told, but they don't drive the story of the counselee. Well, we can all be an encourager. I'd, I'd love for you at the, at the end of this to, to, to do a little exercise, take a little challenge here, where I want, I want you to um, list the places that you go. Uh, and maybe on one side of the paper, list the places that you go, the places that you go each and every day. I also want you to, to talk about, uh, write down the people that you see, the people that you interact with. Both could be at both yeah, home and out in the community. This is your circle. This is your circle of encouragement. This, this is the place that, that God has placed you to bring encouragement into other people's lives. And maybe there, no one else around you is able to, to step into that space. This is your space. Just like Timothy was able to step into the, this space of the Thessalonian church when Paul couldn't. All right, this is your space. And they're both followers of Jesus in that space, and there are both those who have doubts or questions or who have not accepted Christ as their Savior. And how can you bring encouragement to, to both of those situations? That is where God has placed you. That is your space. Well, on a, a practical level, you may be thinking, well, how do I even become an encourager? You know, I'm, I think I do it pretty well, but I'm not sure, and I, I don't know. Am I actually being encouraging to other people? First and foremost, you go and pray. We go and pray. We go to God and we, we ask him to give us a, a heart of encouragement for other people. We also ask God to show us the people that, that need encouragement in their life, that need to be built up, lifted up in their faith. We, we pray that the church, specifically Faith Bible Church, is a church of encouragement. So when people walk through those doors, they feel God's loving spirit. They feel God's acceptance. They, they, they feel that, that even they can be in the presence of the Lord, uh, no matter what has happened in their lives, no matter what they've gone through. So we pray that, that we would have a, a heart of encouragement. We pray for the people to encourage, and we pray that our church is a place of encouragement. You know, uh, another thing to do is, is look out at the example of others. Who are the people in your lives that, that are true encouragers, that bring encouragement to you? What do they do? What do they say? How do they act? How do they respond? 
what does their life look like? And maybe we, we, we the first, one of the first steps is we follow in, in their example. They've set an example for us. Barnabas, who was with Paul, he was called the son of encouragement. That was his name, the son of encouragement. He must have had an encouraging heart to be given this name. It's really true that you become like the people that you follow. And so if you are around people with a, a negative attitude and they just don't see anything right in the world around them, we will gravitate and become more like that. And so we need to be mindful. If we want to change, we need to actually engage in, in community and in company that will bring change in our lives. Make encouragement a daily discipline. Go out of your way, plan it, prepare for it. Um, help, uh, ask the Lord to help you recognize those moments during your day when you can encourage someone. Plan it out if you need to encourage your spouse. Plan it out if you need to give a little encouragement to your child. Plan it out if you have a coworker who's in need. Plan it out to write that card. Plan it out to send that email, send that encouraging text, whatever it is. Plan it out and make sure you do it daily because habits, we can either have develop negative habits or we can develop positive habits. And I would say that encouragement is a positive habit and it has to be developed and exercised and worked at each and every day. And be specific in the way that you do it. Again, be intentional, be specific. And know your circle. Know who your people are. Know where God has placed you in your community. Your circle, this, these are your, your people and this is your place. Hebrews 10.23 says this, Let us hold on to the confession of our hope without wavering, since he who is promised is faithful. We have a great hope, and we know that other people around us need to experience that hope as well, whether we are followers of Jesus or not. Uh, we, we know that other people uh, need to experience that hope. Timothy is a great example of this. Paul and Silas, for, for whatever reason, could not go back to the church in, in Thessalonica. Timothy was going to go. Timothy was going to go. He was going to be able to bring encouragement where, where Paul and Silas couldn't. We all have our own circles of influence. There are places where, where we can bring change and specifically encouragement to other people's lives. Maybe no one else has, has an inroad like we do and wherever it may be. Again, seek the Lord. Ask the Lord, where is my place? Have your eyes open to the community around you and what's going on in the community around you. These are exciting times for the church. I know it's been hard of this last year, but these are exciting times for the church. It used to be that the big tent revivals or the, the, the big church buildings with the doors wide open where, where people would come to experience the love and grace of Jesus and, and come to experience his salvation. And that's really changing. And, and COVID has, has really sped up that change over this last year. I predict that uh, those salvation experiences, those, those interactions that we have with people in our community as we help them get to know Jesus Christ, those experiences won't happen so much in the big buildings, but they'll happen more around the dining room table. And this is where we as a church come in. Do we know our place? Do we know who our people are? Do we know uh, the, the mission that, that God has given us, both in the, the great command to love your neighbor and love God, 
and the Great Commission to go out and make disciples in all of the world. Again, he didn't say bring them in. He said go out. And I think in our American church culture, it's going to be more and more critical that we go out and have those dining room table experiences instead of relying on those church building experiences. Well, may you be blessed as you walk out of your homes and go into your community. And as you share the love of Jesus, may you always remember that he is our great encourager because he is the one who has brought us our great hope and salvation. Jesus, we come in your name and we are so grateful for what you have done to it, for us and, and to us. You, you've invited us as children into your kingdom. And we are sons and daughters of God, our creator, because of the work that you have done. Lord, may we take the encouragement you have given us and may we spread that around to other people in our community. Give us, the, uh, give us direction where to go. Bring people to mind of who we need to actually interact with each and every day and, and to bring your gospel message. And we come just lifting you up and praising you for who you are and how you are working in our community. We come in Jesus' name. Amen.